Hello and welcome in to NCBI's Technology Podcast. My name is Stuart Lawler. This is episode number 32 for January 2015. Well, first things first, Happy New Year, everybody. Hope 2015 is going to be a great one for you, and I hope everybody enjoyed the Christmas festivities. Thank you for downloading and subscribing to our monthly technology podcast. Hope you're going to stay with us for the next 47 minutes or so, where we'll be meeting Darren Reed, who's just set up a new video blog. We hear about a new set of speakers from Philips, which have been shown at this year's Consumer Electronics Show in San Francisco. I give you a brief demonstration of Narrator on Windows Mobile 8.1, and And finally, Pierre Gagnier is here to talk about a new game that he's developed that can be played by blind and sighted alike. That's all coming up on this month's edition of NCBI's Technology Podcast. Well, starting us off this month and indeed starting us off this year, you'll remember at the end of our last edition, I mentioned that there were going to be some changes coming up in our podcast throughout 2015. The first of these is coming this month because I'm delighted to welcome a whole load of new subscribers because we're starting this month to circulate our technology podcast via USB stick to members who are registered with NCBI's Media Centre and who have elected in the past to receive Joe Ballard's Focus Audio magazine. Now, unfortunately, Joe has decided to uh, take, a, a, I guess, a lengthy break from Focus. Um, he's involved in lots and lots of other projects, so Focus is going to be ceasing publication. But we're delighted that a number of Focus listeners are going to be receiving our technology podcast. If you're interested or you know other people who'd like to receive the podcast in this way, please contact our Library and Media Centre on 01-864-2266 and they'll be happy to include you for distribution. It's lovely to have our new listeners and it's worth reminding everybody, if you'd like to get in touch with us at any time, you can send an email to technologypodcast at ncbi.ie. We're also hoping over the year to, I guess, expand a little on the topics that we discuss here in our podcast. Whilst the focus will always be technology, and we're certainly not going to change that, we do intend uh, from time to time to include lifestyle articles that reference or have links to areas of technology. So I think you may see some broadening of the content on our podcast on an occasional basis. And as always, if you have suggestions or things you think should be included, do get in touch. Technology Podcast at ncbi.ie. We always love to hear from you. Now, uh, we got some very interesting feedback to our Christmas edition and specifically to the feature or the piece I did on the KNFB reader for iOS. And I was very conscious when I was recording it that I was not doing the app justice. And indeed, a number of people emailed in to say that they found it very interesting. Um, A couple of people suggested I should use a stand like the giraffe stand to get better accuracy. And I had a really nice email from Eleanor Burke who has very kindly offered to demonstrate the app herself because she's getting fantastic results with it. And I'm hoping to meet up with Eleanor in early February and hopefully we'll have her on the next edition of our podcast. So thanks, Eleanor, for taking the time to get in touch and uh, I guess more importantly for taking the time to give us the demonstration because I think it's really interesting to see how different people use this app. 
There's been lots of talk, of course, about uh, the KNFB Reader for iOS. Lots of people purchased it for Christmas, and by all accounts, people are extremely happy with that app. On the last edition, we asked you to feed us back in regard to the length of our podcast, and if you'd like something a little shorter, or if you thought that the length or the occasional lengthening of podcast content, depending, was okay, we had some mixed responses, some people preferring a shorter, more regular podcast of 45 or so minutes, others feeling that it should be dictated by the content that we have. We're keeping all those things in mind and we're still wanting to hear your views. If you have thoughts on our podcast on the length or indeed on any other aspect of the podcast, please do give us a shout. Technology podcast at ncbi.ie. Now, January is a time for making New Year's resolutions, starting something new. Maybe you're going to go out and get fitter, go for long walks, or start a new and exciting initiative. And that's what Darren Reed from Dublin has decided to do. He's launching a video blog on YouTube and joins us on Skype. Darren, you're very welcome. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Stuart. How are you doing? Uh, very good, thanks. Great to have you. Um, Great to be here. Maybe before we we talk about uh, the 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 blog and the ideas behind it, just tell us a bit about yourself. Um, well, not really that much to tell. Twenty uh, something living in Dublin. Um, I currently am doing some volunteer work with a Japanese arts and animation convention that runs each year. Other than that, it's kind of same stuff different day just checking out the stuff going on around the the arts and animation convention what what's what's that about because it it sounds kind of interesting um well japanese animation is a very kind of it's very different to the type of storytelling that most people would be used to in terms of what they would see as cartoons and animation everybody kind of looks at it and thinks oh it's animated so it's all for children but the Japanese look at it as it's just another medium for storytelling. Uh, it's very pop- it's been get- gaining a lot more popularity now over the last few years, and there's a few very large conventions that happen around Ireland throughout the year, and I'm one of them. Well, I- I'm involved with one of them. Okay, so the the idea to bring, I suppose, some of the the Japanese culture as well to to people in Ireland. A- absolutely, yes. It, we, we do some work with Experience Japan which runs in April, and that's a big event run by the Japanese embassy. So we kind of, we help out with some of the events that they run there. So tell us about this. Uh, when, when we were talking by email, you called it a, a social media experiment. And uh, I came across this really accidentally in Twitter, because I'm following you, uh, your very first post, which I liked. And I think the reason I liked it was because it was just it was just you talking as though you were just chatting to anyone. It wasn't sort of, uh, uh, you know, it, it wasn't anything pretentious. It was just very nice. I liked the informality of it. What what gave you this idea? Uh, well, um, vlogging on YouTube, it's, it's nothing really new. Um, the reason I'm looking at it as kind of a social media experiment, it's more of a social experiment for myself. Uh, I'm not the best when it comes to talking about myself in terms of with other people or in public or on a public stage. But I, this year, as you were saying earlier, New Year's resolutions, I want to get better at that kind of thing. 
So I thought the best way to do it is I'll sit in front of a camera and talk to nobody, but also potentially talk to everybody at the same time by posting the video up on YouTube. Okay. And obviously, I suppose you're, you're I, I, well, I, I presume you're thinking that as you post these videos and maybe topics and different things that are going to be discussed, you'd like to generate comments and feedback and then obviously work on that feedback and talk about it. Yeah. Absolutely. The, the more people that kind of give me feedback on what I'm doing right, what they feel I'm doing wrong, it means I can build what people may want to actually continue looking at. Like there are some very popular vloggers out there that um, probably the most popular would be the Vlog Brothers, who get hundreds of thousands of hits on their videos and they put out two or three videos a week. So what kind of things are you thinking of talking about? Because your your introduction video, and we'll put the link on the show notes for this episode, you know, is just a, a little bit about you, I suppose, and about your ideas behind this blog. But have you have you broad ideas of, of areas you're gonna cover? It could literally be anything. I most of them will probably just be me talking about the stupid stuff that has happened around things that just randomly will pop into my head throughout the week other times um as i say because i'm involved with the animation conventions around the around the country i could pop into one of them pull out my phone record shoot some video narrate over that and just kind of give feedback or my views of everything that kind of happened at at the event Okay. So what's it like technically putting this together? I mean, you mentioned your phone there. Is that all you need? You just need a phone with a camera? That, that's, part, that, that's, one way, that's one way to do it. Um, I actually use a um, Microsoft LifeCam for the, for, the, for the first one that I used, a LifeCam. It's just sitting on a stand in front of me, and I can just shoot the video. I frame it, frame it up, and then talk at it. It's two button two button clicks one to start it one to stop it and then to upload it's the matter of typing in the description of what the video is and uploading it and and, and actually I, we probably should have uh, should have established at the start of this interview you you have low vision so you have you have some sight is that right i have a little bit of sight yeah i have okay. about four percent all right okay so when you actually set up a, a blog on youtube is this the same as setting up a, a channel or are you just creating a space on youtube or, or how does it work as soon as anybody registers a Google account, they've got a YouTube channel. So the majority of people have one. They may not even know they have it. Okay. And it is as simple as that. Once you've logged into your Google account, you go to YouTube. There's a big upload button. You click that and you can throw your videos up. You then have the opportunity to customize the channel the way you want. You can... It, may not be the best for people listening to this, but you can put up different styles of artwork on your page. Um other things you can do you can list your videos in playlists and that kind of thing so it makes it, it it's a very simple interface for the most part now i i'm just thinking of the i suppose the potential of something like this of using a uh, multimedia way of blogging in terms of the, the the responses that you might get because i i presume am i correct in saying that people can post video responses as yep. uh, as a reply to you yeah they can absolutely so so that's interesting isn't it it's definitely an interesting way to look at things because if you, when people start throwing videos back at you, you are seeing exactly how they're feeling. You can hear it in their voices, which is something you don't really get through texts with the comment system or through Twitter or that kind of stuff. So it's definitely an interesting way of people to comment. 
I know some blogs I've read in the past, and they are very text-based, obviously, but they'd also have some images, and people will reply and maybe just put a, a photo as a reply. And I'm thinking, that's been lost on me. I'm curious to know what they've put up. So this idea of the video, as you say, you'll have voice, uh, you'll have you'll have the picture as well, uh, will really allow people who respond to put their full emotions, I suppose, across. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm very. I'm in the same boat with you in terms of the the picture applies. I don't get a lot of them in terms of. There's often subtle details that are just missed because it could be a tiny part of the picture that changes the entire context. The same way when someone is speaking, just the inflection of their voice is different, which is something you won't pick up on when you're just reading it in text. Okay. Well, I think it's a brilliant idea. I think it's a really great initiative. What a fantastic way to start uh, your, your, your new year. So congratulations, and I hope it goes really well. So um, do I, thanks very much. How can people find you uh, if, if they'd like to have a look at this blog? The best way to find me is hit my YouTube page, which is youtube.com slash B-E-L-I-S-K-N-A-R. And it's the same username for pretty much everything I do online. Okay, people can follow Twitter. you on, on Twitter as well, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. All right, Darren, best of luck with it. Thanks so much for taking the time to talk to us, and uh, maybe we'll check in with you later on. Thanks so much for having me. You're listening to NCBI's Technology Podcast for January 2015. Thank you for listening and downloading and subscribing to our monthly technology podcast. If you're listening for the first time on your USB memory stick, you're very welcome, and I do hope you're enjoying our program. If you'd like to get in touch with us, please send an email at any time to technologypodcast at ncbi.ie. Now, the first week in January traditionally sees the Consumer Electronics Show, which takes place every year in Las Vegas. I didn't get to go. Don't worry. I'm very firmly here in Ireland in the studio. But I've been reading lots of articles from the Consumer Electronics Show all week. And one that really got me excited was uh, a very cool invention that Philips are going to launch on the market a little bit later this year. We asked Clodagh Young in our media centre in Finglas to read the article for us. Have a listen. Don't tell Taylor Swift. Philips has announced a set of speakers that connect directly to Spotify and allow you to move your queue to the speakers from your mobile device. The system also supports an adapter that lets you use your own speakers to get some dulcet tones out of your Spotify queue. How does it work? Well, there's a single button to bring up Spotify content. Press it and you get warm, detailed sound out of the $130 speakers. Quoth Phillips, you've just walked in your front door and you're listening to your favourite playlist. Simply press the Spotify button on the Phillips Spotify multi-room speaker in your hallway and the music instantly picks up right where you left off, ensuring that you don't miss a single note. You walk into your lounge and pick up your tablet, choosing a track that you've been looking forward to all day. Next, you press the Spotify button on the speaker in your lounge, which instantly takes over the tune from the speaker in the hallway. Shake it off, indeed. Las Vegas. The Philips Spotify multi-room speakers are the first dedicated Philips audio solution for Spotify users. Incorporating Spotify Connect, 
controlling your music across your phone, tablet and speakers from the native Spotify app is effortless. You can place Philips Spotify multi-room speakers throughout your home and stream your music to every room at the same time. Create a sound experience that's as personal to you as the music you love. The speaker range consists of two models, both of which include a Spotify One Press Play button, which you simply press once to start the music flowing. You've just walked in your front door and you're listening to your favourite playlist. Simply press the Spotify button on the Philips Spotify multi-room speaker in your hallway and the music instantly picks up right where you left off, ensuring that you don't miss a single note. You walk into your lounge and pick up your tablet, choosing a track that you've been looking forward to all day. Next, you press the Spotify button on the speaker in your lounge, which instantly takes over the tune from the speaker in the hallway, filling the room with warm, detailed sound. With the Philips Spotify multi-room speakers, the dream of seamless, high-quality music streaming throughout your home is now within reach, said Benjamin No. Audio Business Line Leader at WOOX Innovation. These products are an important part of our multi-room audio strategy, delivering great quality sound and a seamless user experience. Incorporating Spotify Connect, you won't be disturbed by unstable connections when streaming music to the speakers. Incoming phone calls, loss of signal range or watching a video won't spoil the party. The music just keeps flowing. Before Spotify Connect, streaming music at home could be a frustrating experience, with issues like audio quality and battery drainage getting in the way of enjoying your favourite music, said Pascal Dumoul, Global Head of Hardware Partnerships at Spotify. The Philips Spotify multi-room speakers deliver on the vision that we have for effortless, high-quality music streaming at home, leaving you to focus on enjoying the music. The Philips Spotify multi-room speakers also come with a separate app that enables you to easily group multiple speakers into a single set. Just set this up once and you can then select the speaker group in the native Spotify app anytime you want. Ensuring advanced performance, the Philips Spotify multi-room speaker range includes technology from Frontier Silicon, a leading provider of technology solutions in connected audio. There are two models in the Philips Spotify multi-room speaker range. The SW700M includes two 2.5-inch full-range speaker drivers and two expanded bass ports to create a clear, natural sound. The SW750M incorporates two tweeters and two 3-inch full-range drivers to deliver detailed, powerful and room-filling sound. Both speakers can be used in combination across different rooms for a true multi-room experience. The Philips Spotify multi-room speakers will be available in North America in spring 2015. The SW700M model's suggested retail is $129.99 and the larger SW750M suggested retail is $179.99. Spotify multi-room adapter Making it even easier to enjoy Spotify in any room is the new Philips Spotify multi-room adapter, SW100M. The Philips Spotify multi-room adapter allows you to use the Spotify app with almost any existing speaker with a simple analogue 
RCA or digital, coaxial and optical output connection. Once connected, users can access the Spotify app to browse and play music on the selected speaker. Similar to the Philips Spotify multi-room speakers, the adapter offers many of the same benefits to users, such as playing a song wherever you left on your mobile, playing the song on multiple speakers, and move the music from room to room. The Philips Spotify multi-room adapter allows you effortless to bring the wide selection of music Spotify has to offer into every room of the house. The SW100M will be available in North America in spring 2015 with a suggested retail price of $99. If you're a regular listener to this podcast, you'll know that in the past I've done a series of demonstrations showing Windows 8. At the time, we were looking at it both on a PC and using the Microsoft Surface Pro, and we looked at JAWS and also the inbuilt screen reader narrator. At the time, I was telling you about Windows Phone 8 and was hoping to show it to you, and finally I'm able to do so. Now, before we show you Narrator, let's um, clarify a couple of things because these are important. First of all, Windows Narrator is only supported on uh, Windows Phone uh, in the US. So how am I using it here, you might ask? I'll tell you that in a moment. I bought a Nokia Lumia 635. It's the very cheap end of the Nokia Lumia phones on Amazon for about €160 Euros in August. My plan when buying it was that I was going to evaluate Windows Narrator on Windows 8.1 phone, and I was actually even going to try and use it with my SIM card and try to go cold turkey for a couple of days. When I got the phone, I read the instructions that Microsoft provide, which say, hold the volume up button and press the start button at the bottom of the screen. And we'll come to the start button in a few minutes. I did that. And according to the instructions, narrator should activate, but nothing happened. I was conscious that I mightn't have been hitting the right areas. So I asked somebody to take a look with me. We tried and nothing happened. And then I did a bit more reading and came across a tiny little paragraph that said, Windows Narrator is only available in the US. I thought at that point that my phone would be useless and was preparing to sell it when I had a conversation with Marco Zea, who was on our November podcast, and he informed me that if I wanted to use and try out Narrator, I could still do so, but I would need to set all my settings on my Lumia 635 to US. With the help of a sighted colleague, I did that and we got Narrator up and running. So at present, if you buy a Windows 8.1 phone here in Ireland, it's not going to work out of the box unless you set everything to be uh, US specific. And the problem doing that, of course, is then that you have access only to the US store and you won't get a lot of localized apps that may be developed over time for Windows 8.1 here. So I'm thinking, for example, you know, Dublin Bus or Lewis or Irish Rail, you wouldn't be able to get those apps, even RTE Player, perhaps. So Narrator as it stands at the moment for the Irish consumer is not really an option. I only want to show it to you today so that you can understand what is available and what the phone can do. 
I'm probably a little bit biased, and I'll say that up front now, because I've been using iOS so long, I compare everything to iOS. When I used Android, I described it as being inconsistent. And indeed, we talked about this on Marco Zaya's interview as well. Flicking over and back on the screen didn't always produce the results you would expect. Windows Mobile 8.1 reminds me a little bit of early days of iOS when I found iOS very difficult to use. But I'll tell you something, there's no inconsistency and it is working a lot better than I expected. It's tedious and it's a bit awkward to use at the moment and I'm kind of glad I'm not using it. But I will say on this podcast, I have more faith in Windows 8.1 at this moment in time than I do with Android and I already prefer the experience. Now, at this time of recording, uh, the Nokia Lumia 635 is still available. It's also available on some bill pay and prepay plans here in Ireland. But as we said, it's not really a viable option at the moment until Narrator becomes available outside of the US. Microsoft recently sold their, or rather Nokia recently sold their mobile phone business to Microsoft. So Microsoft are now managing the development of all the hardware. The upshot of that is that the word Nokia will be removed from future future Lumia devices. They'll just keep the word Lumia. And Nokia are going to be spending their time uh, developing tablets, which ironically enough are going to be running the Android operating system. So there's a bit of changes happening, but Microsoft are now developing their own hardware and software, a little bit like Apple. So the Lumia, Nokia Lumia 35 is one of, 635 is one of the last Nokia Lumia branded phones with the Nokia name on it. It feels really just, it's a touchscreen phone. Feels um, similar, I suppose, to an iPhone, um, although it has more of an Android feel, I suppose. It has two buttons on the right-hand side. From top to bottom, the first is volume up and down, and the second is power. And like a lot of Nokia phones, when you press the power button briefly, it vibrates to let you know that it's booting up. On the top of the device is a headphone jack, and on the bottom of the device is a mini USB port for charging and data transfer. You can charge it when it's connected to a PC, and it also comes with its own charger. At the moment, the phone is locked, so I'm going to unlock it and just talk you through the main screen and try to explain some of the layout. I've successfully, by the way, managed to get this phone connected to my Wi-Fi network, and I even set up my Exchange email, and when I did that, it automatically synchronized all my contacts. So that end of it was very easy, and as I say again, there is certainly um, consistency there. So let me now unlock the phone by pressing the power button, similar to what I would do on iOS. So we'll hit the power button now. And and the phone will wake up. The SIM card is missing or invalid. You can still make emergency calls if your mobile operator supports it. Okay, so there is no SIM card in the phone. When I flicked right, that's what it said. No next item. SIM error. Close button, double tap to activate. I'm going to double tap to close. Lock screen window. And I need to... Lock screen. Pane double... 249. Lock screen. Pane double tap to activate. Double tap to activate. That's a bit like saying start double window. tap to start unlock. Page. Now we're in the start window or the start page, as it calls it. If I touch towards the top of the screen here. Three bars on Wi-Fi. Two of four. Notification. Three of four. Three bars on Wi-Fi and with data flowing. Two of four. I'm three bars on I'm Wi-Fi. Just flicking four. left and right here. Sim missing or damaged. One of four. Sim missing or damaged. Three bars on Wi-Fi. And it actually says with data flowing. 
which is a nice um, um, descriptive, I suppose. But this is very like iOS. I'm just touching the top of the screen here and flicking along. Now I'm going to move my finger down a little. Phone no SIM. One of 18 double tap to activate, triple tap to select. So phone no SIM, double tap to activate, triple tap to select. I will say to you that there are no settings to turn off the verbosity within the rater. So it says this for every item. If I flick right. Messaging. Two of 18 double tap to activate, triple tap to select. Okay. People. Three of 18 double tap to activate, triple tap to select. People is like. Not selected. Um, Call one or three. Contacts. Stuart Lawler, four items. Irish fairies celebrate Christmas with a trip to the UK. Now, that Stuart Lawler four items means there's four unread messages in my inbox, and it was reading the beginning of the most recent one, which is Irish Ferries. Internet Explorer, 5 of 18, double tap to activate, triple tap to select. Internet Explorer is relatively accessible, and it automatically synchronizes your favorites. When you set up this phone for the first time, you can log in if you have a Microsoft ID, and all your favorites get synchronized onto your phone. Games, 6 of 18, double tap to activate, triple tap. Store, 7 of 18, double tap to activate, triple tap to select. The store itself not is Call not really accessible, which Facebook, is. Facebook, 8 of 18, double tap to activate, Facebook, triple tap to select. It's also not accessible. Skype, 9 of 18, double tap to activate, triple tap to select. Skype is not usable. Nozzle. Weather, 10 of 18, double tap to activate, triple tap to select. I haven't actually tried the weather app yet. I suppose the point of showing you some of these is just to tell you that out of the box, the accessible apps are messaging, phone, uh, email, Calendar, I believe, although I have not used it, and Internet Explorer. So they're the apps that you're, at this time, that you're probably going to use. Now, let me talk a little bit about uh, the bottom of the screen, because this is important, and this is kind of like Android. At the bottom of the screen are some what we call soft buttons. So they're not physical buttons. You can't touch anything. But if I slide my finger towards the bottom of the screen, we will hear... Start button, double tap to activate. Start button. Now I'll flick left. Back button, double tap to activate. Back button. Application list, section. Search button, double tap to activate. Search button. A. Contains three items, double tap. Search button, double tap to activate. Application list, section. And then I can go, there's a a separate uh, section at the bottom for my application list. If I double tap that, it will list every single application in the phone. So stuff that's on the start screen here are just some of the applications that are in the phone. But at the bottom of the screen, we have start back and search and those soft buttons I suppose we could call them are there all the time and if I'm somewhere in the depths of an app or the depths of the phone I can slide down and find my start button and double tap it similarly to what I would do with the home button on iOS to bring me back to where I was. I'm going to go into the email app for a moment so let me find that again. Adobe Reader, one of three double tap to activate. Okay. A, con- search button double tap to I'm activate. I'm in my app list, so I'm going to actually section. just hit my start, start button, button again. Double tap to activate. Best way to Quick get launch. back section. here. Phone notes, messaging, two people, three of eight. Stuart Lawler, four items, Irish ferries celebrate Christmas with a trip to the UK. So let's ferry, double, lowest double tap email here. Window. Now I'm in my email application. Inbox, Stuart Lawler. And it's my inbox. Selected, all pane. Unread pane. So I can view by all. Flag pane. Unread. Urgent pain. Flagged. Email from Irish Ferries. Urgent. Received on 12 colon 28p. About celebrate Christmas with a trip to the UK. Quickest fa- So this is my email from Irish Ferries. Email from audible.co.uk. Received on 10 colon 04a. About best sellers of 2014. A great way to spend your five credits. HT- my audible.co.uk. Email from Popular in Your Network. Received on 2 colon 02a. About a CNET tweeted. Microsoft Cortana has expanded to French, Italian, German, and Spanish. HTTPS slash slash Now that's very interesting. Uh, just uh, something on the side. Microsoft Cortana, which is the Siri equivalent of Microsoft, their voice-assisted uh, application, has now been exp- expanded to French and Italian and German. And one of the reasons 
they gave for um, Narrator not being available outside of the US was because Cortana is being rolled out with Narrator. So that would make me seem to think if you were using a device in Germany, for example, you should be able to get Narrator as well as Cortana. Email from Get Music received on Friday about Get Music. 20% off storewide until Christmas. Update. Okay, so there's my four unread emails. Now, containers. Um, let me go back. Selected. No previous container. Unread pain double items. Flag pain. Urgent pain. Email from Irish Ferries. Received on 12 colon 20. We'll open Irish Ferries. We'll double tap. Email window. Page. And now I can flick left. Email from Irish Ferries button. Double tap to activate. Subject to celebrate. Dotted link ref equals. Action reaction. Percent 2F. Percent 2F calendar. Percent. Received on Sat 12 6th. 12.28 p.m. 2. 2. Stuart Lawler button. Double tap to activate. Download message. About 60 KB. Button double tap to activate. Okay, so... Double tap to place text insertion point. Triple tap to enter selection mode. This is probably a um, a message that uh, hasn't been downloaded yet, so it's just opening it, giving me a bit of a preview, and it's probably a HTML or rich text message from Irish Ferries, so it's going to tell me it's about 60 KB. Do I want to download it? At Start the bu- bottom of button, my screen... Delete app bar button, double tap to activate. I can delete. Respond app bar button, double tap to activate. I can respond. Battery 75%. And then it brings me back to my status. Respond so app bar, let's delete app bar button, double that. tap to activate. Email window, all, section. And it's just deleted. It doesn't ask you where you want to, do you want to confirm? It just deletes the message. There are no quick things at the moment. For example, in iOS, you can just flick up and delete something from your inbox if you wish to do that. There is also, at this moment in time, no facility for changing the type of typing or text input. So when I type with narrator, I have to double press on each letter. So let's open the next email, for example, to uh, Audible. Email from audible.co.uk. Received on 10 colon zero. Double tap it, page. And I'm going to respond. Delete app bar button, double tap. Respond app bar button, double tap to activate. Pop up. And there's a pop-up. Let's see what that's Reply saying. button, double tap to activate. Reply all button, double tap to activate. Okay, reply or reply all. So we'll just reply. Button, reply. Double tap to activate. Email, email window, page. And now I have a keyboard. Send app bar button, double tap to activate. Capital Z. Capital S. And I'll just capital say e. thank you. Capital Y. Capital T. Capital R. Capital R. Oh, I pressed capital R by mistake. So let me delete that. App, enter. Backspace. Capital R. Okay, now press capital T. Capital G. Capital T. Capital T. B. J. H. H. Shift on. A. 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 Sp- period. M. N. I'm just going to say thanks. It'll take too long. Backspace. K. K. Z. S. S. So you can see I'm just double tapping. I'm, pre- I'm finding the letter, then double tapping. Now, I'm not actually going to send this because... Um, I don't think you can reply to those audible emails. D. S. But edit body, editing thanks. Sent from my Windows phone. Double there tap to place text insertion. So, so there's thanks net says sent from my Windows phone. I could flick up left here. Subject edit to audible.co2. Address picker button double subject editable to editable audible.co2. Address picker button double tap to activate. I think I need to find the send button at the bottom. Close app bar button double tap to activate. Attach app bar button double send app bar button double tap to activate. So there we go. There's there's send, there's attach. Attach app bar button, double tap Which, to interestingly, iOS mail doesn't even have that, and that's good. So you can attach a document maybe from your OneDrive to this if you want it. Close app bar button, double tap to Close. Activate. Let's just close this. Save or delete message. Pop okay. Up. Bit like iOS. Save button, double tap. Delete button, double tap to activate. Delete. Email window. Email window. Inbox. Stuart Lawler page. And let's go back to start. Start button, double tap to activate. Start page. 
Start window. Start window, and let's lock the lock the phone by pressing the power key. Lock screen window. And that's it. That's really at the moment what it does. Um, you can see that replying to email is possible. It would take a while. I haven't tried pairing a Bluetooth keyboard to the phone yet, but it's something I am going to play with. Um, but I know it's in its very early stages, and the idea of this is just to show you what it can do. But I am hopeful, I really am hopeful, that in the future we're going to see a better experience on Windows Phone. And as Windows 10 comes nearer to release, I think you're going to hear a lot more about accessibility in Windows Phone. So it's definitely one to watch, and I hope this very quick glimpse at Narrator has given you something to look forward to as well. Now, everybody likes playing computer games, uh, whether you're playing on your own or indeed across the internet or with groups of friends. There's lots of games out there for blind and low vision people, but it's a very interesting concept, isn't it, to create a video game that everybody can play, whether you're blind, low vision or fully sighted. Well, a company in France are trying to do just that, and they've been involved in an interesting crowdfunding campaign. Uh, representative Pierre Gagne joins me on Skype today to talk to us all about it. Pierre, welcome to our technology podcast. Uh, hello Stuart. Good to, good to have you here. Um, I was very interested about this idea of blind and you know fully sighted people playing a game together. What kind of, what gave you the idea? Well, we noticed that video game is now the, the first uh, cultural industry in, in the world before the books, before movies, TV, etc. And it's the, the only one that is the not uh, available and accessible for blind people or almost, let's say, almost not or really few. So we wanted to, to, to make um, uh, this type of cultural uh, good uh, available uh, to to the blind people and on the other end not to make it specific for for blind people but to make a real video game and a real sensorial experience for everybody whether they are blind or not how do you do that because it's it's interesting isn't it when you think about people who are sighted will obviously where vision and the visual aspects of a game are most prominent and most i guess demanding and for mm-hmm. the for the blind audience then the sound is going to be most important where do you kind of is it is it going to be difficult or is it have you thought about how to merge the two well uh, the technology we use uh allow to make a, a sound that is really realistic and uh, and that will then replace the the images and uh, and um, uh, make a 3d environment in the mind of the, the player so it's called the the, the binaural technology and um, and it's based on the uh, everyday life uh, listening uh, system that is based on the filters that you have on your in your ears and that you have uh, on your face and it will recreate those filters to make uh, you feel like you are hearing uh, uh, in everyday life so you can precisely determine determine whether a sound is in front of you behind you on top on the left so when you have this kind of really precise uh, location, 
you can make uh, an adventure and uh, and a game around it. Okay, so and and then of course at the same time your let's say fully sighted friend will be um will be experiencing the same uh, sound aspects that you've just described there uh, along with the video functionality, right? No, no, no. For the the the, the sighted people there will be no video. Ah, oh, there's no video. My my sincere no. part. Okay. So you're creating a sound game that these guys are going to play. Exactly. Okay. The idea is this to make to make them discover what's uh, what would be a, 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 a night uh, life uh, if uh, if he, he was uh, blind? So it's also a way for them to 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 discover uh, this um, disability um, difficulties in everyday life and uh, and to make a sensorial experience. Okay, so how is it going to, how will the game be available? Are you developing for multiple platforms? Tell us a bit about the, I suppose, the user experience and, and how people will be able to access it. And, and I know it's not, it's not available just yet. Well, we are currently developing, uh, indeed, uh, and we are developing on uh, Unity 3D engine, so it, which is a, a cross, cross-platform engine, so the game will be available beginning of 2015 on uh, Apple Store and uh, Google Play Store. So you're targeting the, I guess, major Android and iOS um, mobile platforms. And exactly. is, is it going to be available through on, let's say, PC and Mac as well? Or, or is it, is it, are you sort of uh, anticipating it will be played only on, on a phone? Well, for the moment, it will be developed only on mobile phone because we thought the gameplay really specifically for the, the mobile devices. But we know that... Um, uh, there could be a, a demand uh, both from blind people and uh, sighted people to have uh, this game on uh, on PC or Mac. So uh, we have to think about it and uh, maybe make uh, make it a bit later. But uh, uh, we have to find uh, complementary funds for <laughs> for this uh, this version because we will have to review probably a lot of the the, the gameplay and the, the game design and, and so on. Okay, and I know uh, you and I have been sort of talking by email over the last two months or so, and uh, one of the things you've been involved in is uh, getting involved in this really interesting crowd uh, sourcing campaign to get some funding together to develop this project. Was that successful? Yeah, that was uh, really successful. We raised more than forty thousand euros in um, in um, one uh, month and a half of uh, of campaign, and it's um, then more than a thousand people that uh, give uh, that fund the, the the project uh, and that were interested uh, in it. That were really really pushy and really motivated, and uh, and so it's uh, a really good uh, adventure for us. But. Uh, only the beginning because now we have to produce um, the game and um, and it's uh, a way for us to have um, of, of course um, some complementary funding but also to have a, a collaborative project because the backers will be involved in the creation of the game they will they will be able to to um, to test uh, the game the the demo the bet- the beta version and to to give their uh, opinion on uh, on some uh, game elements uh, such as uh, script or the, the the gameplay or so on 
And if there are, let's say, people listening to this podcast who might be blind or low vision and would like to maybe get involved by giving you feedback uh, about the game or get involved in the beta process, is that is that possible? Well, uh, it's possible, but uh, they will have to, let's say, make the same contribution and then uh, for the other one, meaning that uh, we we put uh, 20 euros the okay. level of uh, of uh, funding to be able to make the the test and be involved in the in the production. So we have to be fair with the sure, the sure. So, so basically, and, uh, if you want uh, to, okay. So if you want to participate in the beta, you need to pay the 20 euros per person to 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 get involved is that correct exactly or okay. more okay you can or, or more more. Or more. <laughs> more more is always welcome Pierre. okay and, and listen i know you you mentioned to me off air there's a, a couple of uh, other people colleagues of yours involved in this project and you wanted to mention them as well yeah exactly because i'm the general manager of uh, the we know the, the the company holding the the a blind legend project, but I'm not uh, alone in this uh, company. We are three uh, associates, three partners, and um, the two other ones. The first one is uh, Nordin Gashi, who is the creator of the the game. He's the uh, creative director, and he had the idea of uh, of this game already. Let's say five or six years ago. So at the at the time, at this time, it was not possible technically to 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 do it but um, now it's possible so it's so it's really uh, the he's really the, the brain of the of the game and uh, and also Jérôme Catneau who is uh, the artistic director and who works on the, uh, all the artistic elements such as uh, the sound uh, the but also the script writing etc okay it, it sounds really interesting pierre it's something that i think we will keep an eye on and, and we'll certainly look forward to a um a product in 2015 if people are interested and want to keep up to date with goings on and be notified of the release is there a website or how are you kind of letting people know about this yeah, there is a, a website on www.ublinelegend.com and um, there is also our company website www.dowino.com and they can also send some uh, some emails to our contact uh, address. It's uh, contact at dowino.com. Of course, follow us on uh, Facebook, Twitter, Google+. We are quite... Uh, dynamic on the social networks you're well you're well connected there okay pierre it's been a real pleasure to talk to you best to look with this i think it's very interesting i think it's great to be developing something that everybody can play uh, i'm certainly looking forward to trying it out in 2015 so may i wish you all the very best with it and thank you very much for talking to us today many thanks to you and uh, i will uh, keep you posted of uh, the release of the game Thanks a million to Pierre Gagne there talking all about uh, that video game. It's really interesting, isn't it? Because it, <laughs> it took me a few minutes to to realize that this is a pure audio game that uh, blind and sighted alike will play. And, you know, I, I just really think that this sort of experiment is very interesting. So go check it out. And um, I think it's a project that we want to keep an eye on and see where it goes in the future. Now, that's just about all we have time for for this month. So many thanks to our 
contributors, uh, Darren Reed, and of course, Pierre Elaine Gagne. And of course, many thanks to Claudia Young, our reader, who told us all about Philips and Spotify. Join us in February when, amongst other things, I'll be looking at a new multi line refreshable electronic Braille reader. That's a mouthful. Uh, take care, have a great month, and talk to you in February. From Stuart Lawler, thank you for listening, and goodbye. <laughs>